After so much bad luck with injuries over the weekend, the Hoosiers got some sprinklings of optimism to start off this week. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? It is Tuesday, November 29th, and this is Locked on Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. want to thank you for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every single day. want to give a thank you to our sponsor, Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be, will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. It was a brutal week, or brutal weekend, I should say, for injuries when it came to the Hoosiers. You can listen to Monday's show. It was a depressing show, to be quite frank, but you can listen to that. As we recapped a number of things uh, with the Hoosiers and unfortunately a lot of injury news, the good news, uh, the better news, uh, maybe might be a better way of phrasing it, was that there was some optimism given to us on Monday. The Grace Berger injury update we were hoping for kind of came, and in all honesty, we should have expected this. Terry Morin on her radio show said, uh, Grace Berger is out quote indefinitely with her knee injury. However, uh, she's taking her treatment process and recovery day by day. Uh, she's out for now is what we know. They did not outright rule her out for the season, which feels like good news. Um, it feels like the news could have been worse. My is probably the best way of putting it. If you think back to last year with Mackenzie Holmes, when she went down with injury, the wording around that injury was very similar to the wording around this injury. I'm not going to compare the two injuries. I don't really know. Mackenzie obviously eventually made her way back, struggled, but was eventually able to contribute. Um, I'm slightly optimistic about this. Uh, I feared the worst. It seemed like a lot of people were fearing the worst between Grace's reaction, Terry Morin's reaction after the game. I'm hopeful that this means Grace Berger has not put on an Indiana jersey for the last time this season, but we don't really know. Time's only going to tell on that one. Uh, she's around the team. Terry Morin said her leadership is still very important to the program, uh, and she is embracing that role. Uh, quote, she knows that her presence is always important, so she'll do what she does, and that's lead quietly. Um, it, it's a tough time for this blow to come to Indiana because they have a game on Thursday against UNC, which Terry Morin also noted. Uh, she wants a big crowd there. Quote, it would be big if they would show up, much like when they showed up for our NCAA games. We have such a great fan base, but if we could get some of those students in the end zone, that would be special. Show up, guys. This is a top six showdown. Uh, this is as good of, if not maybe better, in terms of quality game than the men's game. I don't want to compare the two. 
it's a really good game. Show up. It's it's five dollars for students, ten dollars for um everyone else. This is a two really good teams, and Indiana probably could use the support right now after a pretty rough weekend between Grace's injury and just everything that went on at that Las Vegas invite. So show up. Uh, Wednesday, the men's team will play. I'm sure you're aware of that one. The good news in injury front on that side is that Trey Galloway practiced on Monday. Mike Woodson said he expects everybody to be available for the contest. Um, he said that Indiana had everybody practice except Logan Duncombe, who was under the weather. Uh, but his quote was, everybody is going to play on Wednesday. Uh, Trey Galloway had missed a handful of games with a knee injury. It was described as precautionary. We don't really know. I obviously had a pretty soft schedule, so we weren't really sure what to make of that injury. It seems like there could have been some load management stuff going on there, similar to what happened with Trace, but Trey will be back. Uh, that's big. He He's a, obviously a big, important piece of this um of this Indiana team so getting him back is is really big excited to see him back on the court Wednesday and on that note obviously Wednesday Thursday two really big games as the Big Ten ACC challenge comes to an end so it's a day early but we uh talked to the host over at Locked on Tar Heels Isaac Shade also the host of Locked on College Basketball one of the hosts over there and it's a crossover show. Uh, the, the final two segments today will be us talking about um, the men's game, the women's game, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, everything in between. It was a really fun conversation. Uh, so excited to throw it over to that. Before we do that, though, guys, the holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together a special curated gift package to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and use code LOCKEDON, all one word, at checkout to get $30 off your order. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. It's a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering from the very best. So go to omahasteaks.com, use that promo code locked on at checkout, and get an extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Now, I uh, want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Let's throw it over to our conversation with Isaac. Boy, it is time for the last ever ACC Big Ten, Big Ten ACC Challenge. Hard to believe that's going to come to an end of an era. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But right now, we got a little crossover action. Some Indiana Hoosiers, some North Carolina Tar Heels. My man, Jacob Prude. I'm Isaac Shade. He's the host of Locked on Hoosiers. I'm the host of Locked on Tar Heels. And we want to get you prepared for all of both of these Big Ten ACC matchups the men and women Hoosiers and Tar Heels are playing Wednesday night, or excuse me, the men are playing Wednesday night, 
Both women teams are playing on Thursday night. A fun way to end the ACC Big Ten. 24 years of it when it's all said and done. Jacob Rude, let's get into this men's game. Let's start there. Uh, Hoosiers are off to an undefeated start, but as we were kind of talking about a little bit before we started, it's kind of hard to know what to make of the Hoosiers right now. Had a, a game against Xavier highly ranked, but outside of that, every other game has been against a Ken Palm team ranked outside the top 200. Yeah, it has been a, a an interesting start. Um, that Xavier game has been the only real challenge Indiana's had. They passed it. Um, maybe not necessarily with flying colors, but they passed it nonetheless. And, um, there were a lot of things to be optimistic about that, but yeah, outside of, of, uh, Mike Woodson trying to schedule some of these games really close to kind of mimic a tournament and playing over a weekend in a tournament, that's been the only challenge Indiana's had is, uh, has been that Xavier game because yeah, it's just been a a host of uh, opponents that are just kind of woefully overmatched and Indiana's kind of had their way. But um, I mean, starting on, on Wednesday, things are really going to pick up for, for Indiana. And we're going to find out real quick uh, over the next about two or three weeks, how good this IU team is. Yeah, absolutely, man. I was looking at Indiana's schedule. Goodness, North Carolina, then back-to-back Big Ten games, Rutgers and Nebraska, and then Arizona and Kansas. Yikes, that is a start. And so, um, Jacob, what's been, for, for Tar Heels fans who are watching, who haven't yet seen the Hoosiers this year, uh, I'm sure everyone knows about Trace Jackson Davis, but what else is Mike Woodson's club bringing to the table? Yeah, uh, Trace has been phenomenal. Um, that Xavier game, uh, a large reason why Indiana won is simply Trace was the best player on the floor. Uh, so he's lived up to the billing. The pieces around him that have stood out, Xavier Johnson, another name uh, most might be familiar with, started the season off um, a little slow, but he also in that that Xavier game uh, showed up in a big way and has played really well since then. Yeah. Um, and then it's two freshmen, actually. It's uh, Jalen hood Shafino, who some might have heard about, five-star freshman, um, highly rated prospect, comes into the starting lineup right away. Um, He's been in a bit of a shooting slump, but he's the type of player that still impacts the game in so many different ways. He can rebound. He's great at um, finding open men and especially in transition is great at finding the trailer and things like that. So he's still been impactful. Maybe the surprise in in a lot of ways has been Malik Renew, who has been unbelievable. Uh, He was also a very highly rated prospect, a teammate of Jalen Hood Shafino's at Montverde. Um, he came in, he was a late commit. He was a Florida commit. And when Florida changed head coach, uh, he decommitted, ended up coming to Bloomington. He hasn't started because I us Trace Jackson Davis and, (laughs) uh, but he would start for just about, there's a very small list of teams. He would not be a starter for, uh, he has been phenomenal. Another lefty. Um, has a host of post moves in a lot of ways. It's kind of a mini Trace Jackson Davis. The two of them have played together a bit, um, and it's looked really good. And Malik's finished a lot of games. He finished that Xavier game. IU finished that game with two freshmen on the floor on the road. Um, so they've relied on them a lot. And um, those two freshmen have delivered, but uh, this is a, this is a whole other challenge uh, <laughs> awaiting them. But so far, those two freshmen 
Xavier Johnson, Trey Jackson Davis, those have been your brightest spots so far. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the big things, you, you and I talked over the summer to get ready for this game a little bit. And one of the big things we talked about was being really excited for the Trace Jackson Davis Armando Baycott matchup. And now it's looking, I don't know if you've seen this, like that matchup might actually not happen. Uh, Armando Baycott, for, for those who, who didn't see, the Tar Heels played a four overtime game <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, out at the uh, Phil Knight Invitational in Portland um, against Alabama, a tough Alabama team. Boy, howdy. If you haven't seen freshman Brandon Miller, folks, get your eyes on him. But uh, Armando Baycott um, came down, had some kind of what he described as shooting pain in his right leg. And so it's kind of up in the air if he'll go or not. In fact, the Tar Heels aren't even going back to Chapel Hill. They're just headed straight to Bloomington, um, and it, they might even be there by the time you're watching or listening to this podcast. And so something to keep an eye on is what will the Tar Heels do? Will Baycott be out there? Will they uh, deploy some type of other starting lineup? And for those who watched Hubert Davis's first year, it's kind of carbon copied this year in terms of depth. Um, where there just hasn't been much that he's utilized. And so having the ACC preseason player of the year on the bench would be a major blow, but I, I think a great opportunity for Carolina to be forced to use some of that depth. Yeah, I know from afar, it looked like a one rough weekend for, for UNC. Um, what happened? Like as somebody who, who hasn't watched a ton of UNC Go from number one. I know that um, some thought that was a generous ranking, still being number one. But to sure. go from there to to the two losses, what went wrong up there in Portland? Yeah, that, I mean, and, and I would agree. I mean, I think clearly we're seeing at least what what's going on so far. It was a generous and too much ranking, even in the games, the five games that they won before that had frankly not looked like the number one team in the nation. And it kind of just came back to bite them finally in this game. I mean, even their first game at Phil Knight Invitational against Portland was tight. Now, Portland's playing very well, um, and so credit to them. But in these two games, Iowa State is the first loss that Carolina took there, and um, they are a very physical team, and Carolina just didn't match that intensity. It was kind of this classic like, oh, this team is, you know, you think about those classic Arkansas teams, like that kind of vibe. And Carolina just didn't match the intensity. And then against Alabama, Carolina had the game, um, but couldn't get it in closing time. It's a little bit too much one-on-one that that the Tar Heels are playing right now, and that starts with Caleb Love, who, here's the number, this sums it all up. Career-high 34 points against Alabama, on 36 shots, Jacob, oh my. <laughs> 36 shots. In fact, he and RJ Davis, the starting backcourt combined to take 60 of Carolina's 90 shots in that game. And that's not great when they are averaging 26% from three. So there you go. It's going to be interesting. I know you mentioned that the closing time had been a bit of an issue with with them i don't know if this game will be close it sounds like things are not trending in the right direction for you right now but uh if it is i mean that was an issue for iu last season a lot as well is that it was a lot of uh get the ball into trace and defenses were very aware of that at the end of games and it's not a fault but trace is a very willing passer in those types of situations and he's not going to force up a, a bad shot even if you know, you would rather him take a bad shot than somebody else take a an open shot or something like that. So it, it came down in a lot of situations to IU not executing down the stretch. So 
it could be an ugly finish, but it could be an interesting finish if this game is close. <laughs> now, granted, IU against Xavier was in a similar situation and, and did execute and made enough plays down the stretch. They didn't make free throws, but they made enough other plays down the stretch to to win that one. That's kind of one of those things that um, they need to take the next step on if they want to be the the Final Four team that, that they've talked about being. Um, kind of throughout the offseason and the preseason is uh, finishing against these really good teams. But um, I even still, like, this is still a fun matchup. I, I have always enjoyed the ACC Big Ten Challenge for for being this a lot of unique matchups, even if uh, the opponents felt like they were the same a lot of times for, for <laughs> the programs. Uh, they still brought a lot of fun matchups, and, and – I'm going to miss it. It's a, it was a fun tradition each season. Yes, absolutely. And and so folks, we're going to talk about that. Let, let's get into it. Is we heard on Monday, uh Andy Katz came out and broke the news that this will be the final the 24th year of the ACC Big 10 matchup, the big uh the challenge, excuse me. And a lot of that just frankly folks dollar signs, right? It's yeah. um, the, the Big Ten and ESPN aren't going to have the relationship going forward anymore. And so that n- kind of tears the fabric of this whole thing apart. Uh, and a- at the same time, the um, SEC and Big 12 challenge is going to go away. And so now we're going to get an ACC and SEC matchup starting next year. This same week, we typically get ACC Big Ten. And, and I'm with you, Jacob, man. This is a bummer. I have looked forward to this every year. Um, for the Tar Heels, frankly, they don't look forward to playing Indiana. As, as we've <laughs> talked about, uh, Indiana is 3-1 and one against North Carolina in the ACC Big Ten. This will be the fifth matchup. Now, to be fair, four of those have been in Assembly Hall, yeah. so that certainly plays into it most recently in 2016 or 2015. I always forget the it was, it was fall the of 2015, 16, the fall 16, of 2015, was, right? Yep. And uh, and that was kind of a runaway. I believe Indiana was honoring that undefeated squad that night, if I'm correct. Is that right? The 85. Yeah, team? yeah. They yeah. were. Yeah, it was actually. I, it was 2016. I have it pulled up, but yeah, that was a uh, the the last two matchups though have been uh, runaways for for Indiana. It's been a a fruitful matchup for Indiana the last couple times they've met. Um, and it, it's produced some, some memorable wins, um, for the Hoosiers. Now you got the best of us when it mattered most recently in the tournament. So yes. I'm sure it's a relationship that you would take as well, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been, it's not been great necessarily for, for Indiana. They are all time, um, eight and 13, but I mean, something we talked about is, just the nature of these two conferences and how competitive they typically are. Um, you, I mean, nobody's record is particularly great in this Duke's is, but outside of that um, really everybody else is right around 10 wins at most or uh, eight to 10 wins in a lot of competitive games. And I think that's what I enjoyed most about this is that it always felt like a competitive game. Last season, I you had a wild game against Syracuse that went two overtimes. Mm. Um, they've had some some memorable wins, some frustrating losses, but I think that's what's made it um, fun is just the competitive nature and a lot of times getting to to match up against some really good teams. I mean, last season Syracuse wasn't ranked when IU played them, but before that, 
they had played six straight games against ranked teams in the challenge. So it's produced some quality competition for the two programs. And that alone is going to be hard to face or hard to replace because yeah. um, non-conference schedules are, are Build difficult and, yep. and it's not always not everybody's not always volunteering to play these types of games so it, their hands were kind of forced at times to play these games and and i think that's uh, a good thing for the programs very much yeah, yeah. It, it's something i want to i wanted to see i don't know if i mean i don't think the big 10 can replace it with with anyone at that level so i'm not sure that they'll really do anything they've had the gavit games with Big East. Big East, I don't I don't know if they're going to expand that or try to redo something with that but yeah because it's not the full conferences right it was no, just like not. this year it was like seven games or something like that so love to see that expanded it'd be funny if uh the the Big Ten matched up with the Pac-12 and then you get USC <laughs> and UCLA keep participating I don't in. think relationships are too great with those two <laughs> conferences right now so I kind of thought of that I was like well Big Ten Big 12 is kind of boring and I was like that actually might be our only option because I don't think the Pac-12 is jumping at the gun to to bring USC and UCLA back into their gyms. That's right. Now, uh, Jacob, in, in addition to the men and, and the crazy matchup we're going to get to see, we have a top six matchup between the Carolina women and Indiana women with the Hoosiers currently ranked fifth, the Tar Heels ranked sixth, coming off of having just won the Phil Knight Invitational themselves on the women's side of things, including a 17-point comeback against then-fifth-ranked Iowa State. Uh, both these teams come in undefeated. In some ways, this is a, a more really interesting and uh, high-level matchup than even the men. Uh, what, what have the Hoosier ladies been doing well so far this year? Well, uh, I mean, the caveat is that Indiana lost our, probably its best player, Grace Berger, this weekend some of you may have seen the kind of fiasco that went on in in las vegas on the women's side in the las vegas i think it was called the las vegas invitational uh an absolute mess uh it was basically i i saw probably the most apt description was it was the fire festival of, of women's <laughs> basketball uh which yeah it was the more you read into it the worse it was it involved directors telling the tournament directors telling the programs to uh, bring towels down from their room because they weren't going to provide any and things like that. So it was really bad, but amidst what? all that as well, Grace Berger went down with a knee injury that at the time looked really serious. She's an all American, all big 10 um, caliber player. She's day to day. She's going to be out indefinitely. Um, she's not going to play on Thursday. There, it was very vague the yeah. the diagnosis they gave, which they've done in the past. Um, so she won't be playing. But uh, there's still a lot of depth, and that's been one of the biggest things that's helped this Indiana team. Last season they did not have depth. This season they brought in a couple transfers, had a, a pretty strong recruiting class, and they have Mackenzie Holmes who is also an all-American level talent who um, is averaging 20 points per game, seven and a half rebounds. Um, she she picked up the slack over the weekend when Grace went down and played phenomenal. She's shooting 76% from the field. <laughs> um, yeah, she has been unbelievable this season. And so she's absolutely going to – um, shoulder more of the, the load. This happened last season just in reverse. McKenzie Holmes went out with a knee injury, and Grace picked up 
um, the extra load. And it, I would imagine it's going to just be reversed and that Mackenzie Holmes is going to pick up that load. Sarah Scalia was a transfer from Minnesota that has played really well. Uh, and then you have some some freshmen. Yarden Garzon um, is the third leading scorer who came out of nowhere. She's a freshman from Israel that um, was this kind of unheralded recruit that has really impressed. So they have depth. They have five people averaging double figures, though one of those was Grace, and that's what they've really relied upon. Um, they have a road win over Tennessee, which – Tennessee is slipped up this year and not quite what we thought they once were, but still winning in Knoxville is impressive. And um, they, they have that as kind of their gem right now on the schedule in terms of wins, but this one would certainly be bigger uh, over UNC who had a, it sounds like had a much better weekend <laughs> up in the uh, Northwest than the men's side did. That's right. They absolutely did. For for the women, there were only two games, but they beat 18th-ranked Oregon and 5th-ranked Iowa State. For people who are unfamiliar with the Tar Heels, the big name to know, the star, the NIL darling, is Deja Kelly. She's averaging 17.8 points per game. Uh, but the kind of similarly, it's a, it's a balanced attack, and it has to be for the Tar Heels. They're a bit undersized, and so they have four players averaging at least 13 points. Um, it's a very experienced team. They bring back four of their five starters and, and frankly, five of their top six from last year. The the one who's moved into the starting lineup, Eva Hodgson, basically played starters minutes last year. And so, man, this is a, a resilient and experienced Carolina team. As I said, um, I mean, they're coming off of um, a 17-point comeback against the number five team in the country. And you don't just happen uh, into that. And so... Uh, I mean, the starting lineup is a redshirt senior and four juniors um, who've been playing together now for a while. And so, um, in fact, Carolina only so rarely see this. Carolina brought in one freshman this uh, season and and everything else is pretty much intact. And her name's Paulina Paris, uh, a great guard who's going to work into things really well. But um, yeah, outside of Deja Kelly and Eva Hodgson, some of the other names to know are Kennedy Todd Williams who is just a dynamic kind of do-it-all playmaker that's really come into her own on the offensive end now. And so she and Deja Kelly really make up a, a big dynamic playmaking group. Alyssa Utsby, um, who represented America this year, this summer in the three-on-three games, and uh, has used that experience to really kind of catapult herself this year as well. It, that's interesting because Indiana was in a, a very similar boat the last couple seasons in that they had the exact same starting five for two seasons running. And so they they didn't bring in anybody for a while, and they had a very veteran group. Three of those players graduated uh, last season, and like I said, they turned to the transfer portal. They turned to um, the recruiting trail and, and brought in a number of players. It, it could be an interesting matchup because Indiana is a pretty guard-heavy team. And just kind of looking at, at the roster, it seems like UNC is also – a guard heavy team. Absolutely. So Absolutely. yeah. So it could be an interesting matchup in that regard it, to see could be a lot of small ball being played uh, on Which Thursday. Which would be fun, and, man. That's a fun game. Yeah. And an up and down game with hopefully a lot of scoring. I use Ben a, a team that can, can really put the points up this season, which is not something last season, the last two seasons, their identity was defense this season. They can, they can really put the points up there. So um, it'll be interesting to see, this game turns into a, a bit of a track meet and an up and down <laughs> game because it seems like two 
two rosters and two rotations that could be set up for that type of contest. Yeah, man, should be a lot of fun. Both of these games inside Assembly Hall, the men on Wednesday night, 9.15 Eastern on ESPN, and then the women follow on Thursday night, 6 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. As for the challenge itself, the, uh, as we're recording this, it's uh, the ACC is up 1-0. Virginia Tech knocked off Minnesota to kick things off. And currently, Pittsburgh is up on Northwestern late in the first half. ACC could start off 2-0, but then it's going to be a bloodbath on Tuesday <laughs> and Wednesday night. And we very well expect the Big Ten to pull out the final challenge, making it four in a row to end it off. Folks, for my man Jacob Rude, the host of Locked on Hoosiers, I'm Isaac Shade, the host of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for joining us for this crossover episode.